Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another coronavirus episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary of Buker and Friends and part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1. You can hear me on Fox Sports Radio. And if you want to know where you can read me, call my agent. She's supposedly working on something. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. So there are three topics that I want to cover in this podcast, the first being why I never thought Giannis Antetokounmpo would leave Milwaukee. And for those who are just catching up with the news, Giannis signed a five-year, $228 million extension, the largest contract in NBA history to stay in Milwaukee. I also want to touch on why or how Giannis, in doing what he did and handling it the way he did, inadvertently made Kyrie Irving look extremely bad and with some of the things that uh, Kyrie has done, said, not said in recent days. And then finally, I'd want to get to LeBron James and his comments about that his championships, the one over the Golden State Warriors coming back from a 3-1 deficit and the most recent one with the Los Angeles Lakers winning in the bubble over the Miami Heat are the two hardest championships won ever in NBA history. We'll get to all those, all three of those, but we'll start with Giannis and why I was so confident that in spite of what everybody was suggesting or the rumors about the places that he was going to go, the teams that were interested from Golden State to Miami to... Uh, joining Dallas. I mean, we, we heard every possible configuration. And yet it ignored the history of international players in the NBA. Specifically, international players who have been made superstars or cornerstones of their particular teams. They do not move. The players that we are seeing that are 
eager to go wherever they can to play with friends and play for championships. Are American players not just brought up in the AAU system, but coveted by multiple teams in the AAU system. They've been conditioned to believe that they can play wherever they want and it's a matter of getting the right crew around them. Geography doesn't matter. Loyalty doesn't matter. It's, a, it's simply, I want to be on the best team in the best place possible. It's how they grew up. European players, international players, are not like that. Now, if you're an astute uh, observer of the NBA, first thing you may say is, well, wait, wait a minute, what about Christos Przingis? Here's the problem. Christos Przingis was not made to be a cornerstone for the New York Knicks. They questioned whether he could be a superstar. He came in wanting to be a cornerstone and did not receive that treatment. Oh, the Knicks initially treated him that way, but they quickly came off of that. One, because he couldn't stay healthy, and two, because they realized that he may not be capable of carrying a team. So they saw that, he felt that, and he wanted to go someplace else. So it doesn't matter that it was a big market. It was how he was being treated by that particular team. And this is the thing that I know, and maybe I'm uh, ultra-sensitive to this because I've had a chance to, uh, one, spend considerable time overseas watching, whether it's in China or Serbia or Germany. I've gotten to know the players over there, and I've seen the conditions over there. I've seen the circumstances that they play under. I understand the mindset and the mentality of sports over there, having studied over there, speaking German fluently, having trained a little bit in soccer over there, I feel as if I know it better than most. And so I understand that when an international player comes over to the U.S., this not, may not be as cognizant to, to most people who just haven't had this experience, but it's a goldmine over here. Memphis may be one of the uh, cities at the lower end of the NBA circuit. But if you're coming over from Europe, first of all, you're working at a deficit. You know it's a little bit like a a U.S. player uh, or an American going over and playing soccer in the English Premier League. You make the English Premier League, you're not going to get choosy about which English Premier team picks you up. You're obviously looking to get the best deal, but the fact that you're an American and you're playing in one of the top leagues in the world is pretty satisfying. Same goes. And imagine you go to the EPL or the Bundesliga and they say, we're going to build our team around you as an American. Now, I don't, I don't know, even with Christian Pulisic, if that has happened for him, but... Uh, to that extent. But that's what we see with, say, a Dirk Nowitzki or with a Pau Gasol or currently Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's a gratitude. There's, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing feat simply to make it into the NBA and be a star. But to have an NBA team say, we are going to pick you 
over all of these homegrown players that the players overseas are more cognizant of than certainly the American players are of the players overseas. They're far more aware of who the top U.S. players are than the top U.S. players are aware of who the top Europeans are. Guaranteed. Assure you of that. So, again, if you look at the history, the great international players that come over and are made a cornerstone of a team does not matter what market they're in. They're not looking to go to L.A. or New York. They've already been given something more than they expected. Their dream is, has already come true. AAU is like experiencing free agency as a teenager. And meanwhile, overseas, teams control their young players. Young players, it is far more difficult to move from team to team. Now, I will admit that when I heard Giannis say a week or so ago that he was leaving all of this in the hands of his agent, I got a little nervous for the first time because I knew that if it was up to him, he wasn't going anywhere. If you, if you saw how comfortable he was in his lifestyle, I got to spend some time around him with the Bucks. It, it just... He wasn't a guy that was thirsty to go someplace else. He was a guy bursting with gratitude for what the Milwaukee Bucks had given him. I was there the day they taught him how to throw a football after practice. And he was just delighted with learning that. And it sounds crazy that something as simple as that would have a guy excited or that something simple as that would be a reflection of what the mindset of someone might be in the big picture. But I'm telling you, he appreciates the little things. And the Milwaukee Bucks were giving him all those little things right from the start. So for all that, that's why I never doubted that if it was up to Giannis, they would get this deal done and he would stay. When he said that that he was leaving it to his agent, I thought, okay, hmm, His agent might have other designs and he might be able to persuade Giannis, look, trust me, this is why you have to go to Miami or wherever. But then again, Giannis has demonstrated and would have to be a pretty strong-minded, resolute person simply to make the journey that he did in order to get to the NBA and then become the player that he's become. So, uh, because in spite of however talented physically he is, he's had to do a tremendous amount of work on his game. And there's still a lot of work to be done. That's why I've taken issue with this idea that he needs to go someplace else in order to win, that he can't possibly win in Milwaukee. And I just don't subscribe to that. Uh, yes, Milwaukee, have they won a championship since the uh, Oscar Robertson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar days? No, they have not. But the reason that they have not won in the time that Giannis Antetokounmpo has been there has not been because ownership has skimped on the talent that they've put around Giannis. It's that Giannis has not developed into a full-fledged superstar who can lead a team. 
That's the bottom line. Not in the playoffs. Not yet. He's a tremendous talent. He has not been at the top of my MVP ballot. I'm not sure he's he's been yet, even though he's won it twice. James Harden was there ahead of him on my ballot one year, and LeBron James was ahead of him on this past year's ballot. Simply because the regular season, yes, it's a regular season award. And I don't have any issue with anybody who voted for him. I can see the case made. I don't, simply because his numbers went up this past year and the Bucks had a better record to, than he has to be MVP because he was MVP the year before. That, to me, is a fallacious argument and have seen it play out. To me, that has nothing to do with one versus the other. Then it's simply relying on statistics. And if it was simply on statistics, then let's just go straight on that. I mean, why even watch the games? Why even measure anything else. Let's just take numbers. Because there's something that goes into it. As we know, the numbers don't always equal to the best player. They simply don't. I'm not about to go down the rabbit hole as to why I've been down that rabbit hole more than a few times, including here on this podcast. So not going to do it. You can't bait me into it. What Giannis has achieved by staying in Milwaukee and by making good on all of his professed love and devotion to the city of Milwaukee and the Bucks over the last few years is that he has maintained his authenticity and his integrity. And for those who believe that he could make so much more money and he could be such a bigger star and he could be a greater champion, and I'm using air quotes on that, if he were to go to another franchise in a bigger market, you're missing the value of that integrity and that authenticity. Damian Lillard has it. And as a result, when it comes to endorsements, even though he has not come close to winning a championship and he's in a small market, he has done extremely well for himself. Why? Because he's consistent. I look at LeBron James and I was struck by this because as we know, LeBron James has, uh, one, has made a ton of money and two, has a slew of endorsements. But I've also always felt like he hasn't made what he should be making when it comes to endorsements because of all the success that he's had on the court. Guy who's been to the finals 10 times, who's got four in the current era, who four championships. It, it is, what he's done is impressive. The numbers, uh, the fact that he's never been any in any significant trouble off the court. All of that should mean that he's just raking it in. And yet, Roger Federer, tennis player, at the end of his career, makes more in endorsements. I believe Tiger Woods still makes more in endorsements. So why is that? Because there is no consistency to LeBron. The, the integrity, the authenticity, those are things that he does not have. He gave them away. He says and does things that he then changes direction on. Like, I love Cleveland. And then he's gone. It, I, it's something as simple, I was just watching, saw a tweet of his, he was cheering for the Cleveland Browns. Now he's cheering for the Cleveland Browns. When the Browns weren't good, 
he was a Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, he cheers for the Cleveland, soon to not be Indians, whatever they're going to be, the Cleveland baseball team. He cheers for them when they're going well, being from Akron, hometown team. When they're not going well, he's a Yankees fan. That It sounds like none of that should matter. But when you are as big as LeBron is, and by the way, if you look at his Twitter following, is just dwarfs, uh, I think, any other athlete. And that should be a reflection of his marketing value as well. But it's not. It's a reflection of how polarizing he is. And so... My point being not to disparage LeBron, it's simply to say Giannis, by staying in Milwaukee, is essentially what LeBron could have been if he had stayed in Cleveland. Or he had, I honestly believe, if he had handled leaving Cleveland different, if it hadn't been to Miami of all places. And I think we mentioned, we talked about this in the last podcast about you went to the exact opposite of what your image was as the kid from Akron trying to lead Cleveland to its first championship. And again, when he went back and he won it, to me, that will stand as the greatest achievement. The thing, his, his crowning glory, ultimately. Now, was coming back from 3-1 to beat the 73-9 Golden State Warriors the most difficult one championship in NBA history? I can't say that it was. And I had a front row seat for it. Largely because the Warriors were not the 73-9 and Warriors in those finals. Steph Curry, if you recall, sprained his knee in an earlier series. He wasn't the same. He couldn't... I mean, the greatest example is when he got stopped by Kevin Love. Steph Curry, healthy Steph Curry, can dance on Kevin Love all day, any day. Get his shot. May not make the shot, but he can't can't be shut down. He was shut down. Did not have his mobility. They lost Andrew Bogut for the last couple games of that series. Huge difference maker. Andre Iguodala was playing, but he had a, a bad hamstring and was having to guard LeBron. Draymond Green misses an entire game because of suspension. So there were a number of mitigating factors that did not make them a 73-9 and team. I mean, honestly, they were already exposed to a certain extent in that they had to come come back from 3-1 down against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So this idea that they were this impregnable, unbeatable team that they were in the regular season had already been exposed. So this idea that they climbed, the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron climbed some unbelievable mountain and defeated this juggernaut of a team is just not reality. Same goes for the bubble. Now, I have no doubt, or well, at least I believe that it's very possible that the circumstances of being in the bubble were extremely challenging for LeBron James. Could potentially be the hardest situation he's ever played in. For him, being 
in a certain place, locked into a certain place, not having his family for a certain time. Other guys, Damian Lillard being at the top of the list, are guys who said it was actually easier because it was so simple. You weren't getting on planes. Your schedule was very rote. You, you could walk to practice. You could walk to eat. You, it, it was just, it was simple. It was the routine was easy. Maybe that routine and LeBron's needs change, needs things to be moving around, needs to be doing different things. Maybe that just speaks to him. Maybe that made it really challenging. But uh, still, the Lakers went through their first three rounds, 4-1, 4-1, 4-1, and then played a Miami Heat team that didn't have Goran Dragic, their point guard, to start and lost Bam Adebayo, their best defender, very quickly. Both of them came back to play at various points during the series, but they weren't the same. And it gave the Lakers that push at the very beginning, then momentum that they did not lose. So again, I, I, just from the outside, looking at it, I thought the most impressive championship that LeBron has won uh, outside of just winning a championship for Cleveland is in, was in 2013 when beat the San Antonio Spurs, came back from di- being down 3-2 and on a last-second shot in Game 6, uh, having to go through a game, a seven-game series against the Pacers that same year. I thought that was impressive. And the second in two years, back-to-back championships and the grind and the endurance test that that is for the entire team. To me, that was impressive. Uh, Momentous or significant, uh, historic, all of those things apply to the Cleveland championship. But nonetheless, that's my opinion from the outside. If LeBron wants to say that the bubble championship was the hardest thing he's ever been through. If he wants to say that winning the championship in Cleveland after being down 3-1 was the hardest thing he's ever done. Sir, who, who am I to dispute that? But for him to say they were the hardest championships in NBA history, he doesn't have a frame of reference to say that. He doesn't know what it was like to win championships in the 60s or the 70s or even the 80s or or the 90s for that matter. I just, I look at the conditions of the Lakers and the Celtics flying back and forth across the country. And that wasn't when you had the 2-3-2 format for the finals. It was 2-2-1-1-1. So you were flying all day and then playing the next day, flying back and then playing again. And the sports medicine, the therapy, the preparation, all of that that didn't, didn't exist to the level that it does today. Our understanding of how to take care of bodies is not the same as it was. So he simply doesn't have a place to, to make that claim. And perhaps worse is that it exposes this 
self-absorption of, well, if it's the hardest thing I've ever done, then it has to be the hardest thing anybody has ever done. And what particularly rubs me the wrong way is this, if you weren't in the bubble, you just wouldn't understand. You wouldn't understand. And I, and I hear that refrain from LeBron a lot, as if to say, with so many things, you just don't know how hard it is to be me. Which, when I think about the way he grew up and where he came from, he certainly uh, has a right to say, you don't know what it was like for me growing up. You don't know what it's like that I've achieved what I've achieved considering where my life started and how my life was those early years. I applaud him. I can, I can only imagine how tough it was. But here's the distinction. His life's not like that anymore. He has Cadillac or Mercedes or Bugatti problems today. It's simply not the same. So to hear him bemoan his life today just comes off wrong. Because people look at what a fantastic life he's created for himself. I'm not taking anything away from him. But I can't applaud the, the achievements and the mountain that you've climbed and, uh, and look at how high that mountain is and at the same time think, oh, you poor kid. Like, yeah, you've just got so much on your shoulders. It, it just, it plays wrong. I, look, I get, I get it. He's scrutinized. There's pressure. Uh, he's got a lot of responsibilities. Uh, running an enterprise as big as all the things that he has going on takes a lot of bandwidth. I get all that. But he gets to do it. Which brings me to Kyrie Irving and how, with no intent, Giannis Antetokounmpo made Kyrie look so silly and small-minded in his attempt to appear enlightened. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. For those who may not know, Kyrie uh, refused to speak to the media at the beginning of training camp and then put out a, a statement in which he said that he did not, closing quote was, he did not speak to pawns. And he, basically, I got more important things to do. Did not identify who he was referring to when it came to the pawns, and still has not. Since then, he has spoken. And he said that it was not directed to the media in general or anybody in particular. And it really doesn't matter at this point. I just look at the joy that Giannis Antetokounmpo is expressing in, I get to stay in Milwaukee. I get to do this. And meanwhile, on the other side of things, I have Kyrie Irving who can set his sails in the own way, in spite of 
everything that's happened in Cleveland, in Boston, he still gets to chart his own course. He gets to determine where he's going to play and in some degree who he's going to play with and who he's going to play for. And yet, he seems tortured when he wants us to believe that he's enlightened. Now, the enlightened people that I know, the people that understand their their mission in life, they don't struggle with the little things. They certainly are not bothered by other people and what they may be saying or doing because their purpose allows them to see the bigger picture. Kyrie, I get the sense, wants us to believe that he sees some bigger picture that none of us can capture. And yet, he's annoyed that people are distracting him from this big picture. It's, it's a bizarre presentation that he's giving us. I, I don't quite grasp it. And this is the other part, which is, I get the sense that Kyrie wants us to think that he's very intelligent and worldly and insightful and again the people that i know that are worldly and insightful it's not hard to understand what they're thinking or what they're saying what their message is now now the great philosophers the great scientists the great discoverers einstein it wasn't that nobody could understand what they were saying it was that they could understand all too clearly what they were saying. They just didn't believe it. It was what they were describing was too in incredible. That's not Kyrie. Kyrie, I can't make head or tail, and I don't think I'm alone on this. I can't make head or tail of what, what's he talking about? <laughs> what's, his, what's his goal? What's his ambition? What's he about? And it's okay not to know that. It's okay to be searching for that. In fact, I admire anyone who says, man, I'm, I'm looking for my road. I'm looking, I'm looking for my North Star. I, I have a compass, but I'm not sure where I'm going. It's a little bit like, I don't know if anybody's read The Alchemist, but I uh, just read that recently. Uh, highly recommend it. And it's about a journey. And it's, and it's believing in things that you may not necessarily see or touch. And it's figuring out the puzzle, puzzle that leads us on our destiny. Giannis clearly has an image of the way he wants his life to be and what his goals are and how he's going to achieve them. And there's a joy in that. I... Look, the decision he made, I feel it's going to be hard for anybody to root against him. I know that I am. I, in, in the next five years, I hope he wins a championship. He only needs to win one in Milwaukee, and he will be a legend forever. This idea that you have to win multiple championships, he's a two-time MVP, he's got the opportunity to be looked at as an all-time great. I mean, all of that is so esoteric and subjective that... For those on the other side of the equation, for a Giannis or a Damian or name your favorite superstar in who has yet to win a ring, for them to completely contort their lives 
in order just to win those rings and to sacrifice everything else in order to make that happen is a sacrifice for someone else's measurement of who you are. And Giannis looks to me like a guy who, based on what I've seen in his personal life, his relationship with his teammates, his expressed feelings about the city of Milwaukee, his involvement in community things there, he sees the bigger picture. He understands, yes, I want to win a championship. Yes, I want to be seen as as the best player in the league. But am I going to turn over every other aspect of my life simply to achieve that goal, which is a bottomless pit in a lot of ways? Because if he goes someplace else and he wins one, well, the bar has been set. If you're going to be a ring-chasing superstar, one ain't going to get it done. Now, if you are in a small market and you win one, on the other hand, for a franchise in a city that has not enjoyed a championship in that particular sport or any championship, then you have reserved your statue. Let me put it this way. Where do you think Kevin Durant's statue should he get one? Should be. Should be in Oklahoma City? Should it be in the Bay Area? Will it be in Brooklyn? And he's got to get a few things done in Brooklyn in order for it to match his accomplishments with the Warriors. And I'm not one of those to disparage what he accomplished with the Warriors. He's the reason that they won additional championships. He rightfully was the finals MVP. He wasn't, I can't quite say he was a bandwagoner when it came. He was a savior. That team would not have won additional championships without him. But even that wasn't enough for him. And he won two, almost three. So if you're Giannis and you're looking at that, and you're looking at LeBron and all the movement that he's had and still is, by some people's estimation, still lacking because he had to go to three different places in order to win his four championships. You look at it and if you're happy where you are and you have a state-of-the-art arena and you have an owner with deep, deep pockets who's willing to dig into them and you have an aggressive GM and you have a quality coach and you have teammates that you love and a community that has embraced you. You're going to give all that up because people are going to, uh, people, again, air quotes, are going to judge you and the legitimacy of your MVPs or whatever else you've accomplished they're going to judge you based on the number of titles you win. And they're going to run you down. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let those people determine my happiness or how I'm going to live my life. It looks to me like Giannis made that choice. Not sure about Kyrie. Not sure who's making the decisions. He might be making them. 
And this is hard for me to say because Rod Strickland, his godfather, I covered when he was with the Washington Wizards and I've had a chance to get to know him better over the years. A number of people I know and respect are close to Kyrie. I wish him the best. There was a time where, given the choice between Steph and Kyrie for a last second shot, I would have picked Kyrie. I might still, considering how Steph has looked since he came back. This ultimately is my issue with Kyrie, is that he professes that we, outside forces, are getting in the way of him being able to enjoy playing the game of basketball. And the truth is, no one can get in the way of that. Certainly not from the outside. Maybe a coach, a teammate, an organization, but not anybody outside of it. And looking at what Kyrie has done and said, he has been the one that has created a lot of the distractions that have made this something other than his ability to play basketball. We talk so very little about what he does on the court. It's all about what he's doing or not doing, saying or not saying, about his teammates, about the game, about his relationships, about his health, about his views of life. Those are the distractions. And those are coming from him. All right, that does it for this episode of Buker Friendless, part of the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'd like to get to 200. 200 reviews or ratings. We're uh, half a dozen or so short of that. So do me a favor. Just punch the stars. Do whatever. And... I will be eternally grateful. You're not paying for this as far as I know, so that would be your gift to me for doing this. In the next podcast, we will be on the eve of the start of the NBA season, and I will give you who I think is going to wind up in the finals and which prominent team or teams is ultimately not going to make it into the playoffs. All that in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.